Hello and welcome into the latest episode of Empire Sports Talk. This is Max O'Neill alongside Joe Tedesco. So a little bit of an explanation is before we start here, Joe, um, as to why we've been off for around a month, maybe a little bit more than a month. Um, my computer randomly, or maybe two or three days after our last episode, decided to break the screen decided not to work and it was and so it took a while to come back from apple but and it just came back the other day and so now we're back so uh let's just jump right into it joe as we got that out of the way the knicks are playing in a few minutes here they play tonight they're sitting at 17 and 17 on the season they're playing the 9 and 24 pistons um, who do you think wins this game? I'm going with the Knicks. I mean, the Pistons are not too good of a team this year. They have a couple former Knicks with Dennis Smith Jr., who's actually playing a lot better basketball now that he's in Detroit. So um, the possibility of him feeling the pressure in New York was, uh, you know, maybe that was the case. Maybe that's why he just was not good with the Knicks. Um, you know, now he's averaging 12 points a game, shooting 50% from the field. All of a sudden, you know, his numbers start to go up, but, um, you know, it could have been the pressure in New York, but getting back to, you know, who's going to win this game? I, like I said, the Knicks right now, they're on a roll. They got a good young team. I mean, Julius Randle is playing his best basketball of his career, uh, made the all-star team this year, which is remarkable. Um, you know, New York Knicks, not really known for the past 20 years to, to make all-star games uh, besides, you know, a handful. Um, so it's a big thing for Randall to make the all-star team. And this Knicks team, man, they're pretty exciting. The one thing I like about them is they play as a team. You know, there's no one superstar on this team that's going to uh, elevate and take everyone's attention, you know, like get all the attention and the media is pressuring him, blah, blah, blah. It, this is a team. And uh, Tom Thibodeau is doing a great job of coaching him to 17 victories, just at 500 um, in the sixth seed in the East right now. Listen, good Nick team. And I'm finally able to watch some Nick basketball. Thank God. After all these years. <laughs> yes. I mean, as you said about Julius Randall and the all-star game, He's the Knicks' first player to be named to an all. He's the first Nick to be named to an All Star game since Chris Daps in 2017-18. So it's been a few years, Joe. Yeah. Um, yep. And so I agree. It's good to watch. You know, com- the Knicks be competitive um, again. You know, it's been a while, as we said. And I hope they keep it up for the rest of the regular season. That would make me very happy um, to see the Knicks in the playoffs again. And I and I really like Julius Randle, actually. I think he's a very good ball player. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, the tanking days for the Knicks, I, I, I just I, – I can't take those days anymore. They've uh, annoyed me so much. And I really hope that, you know, they don't decide if they're out of the playoffs to tank. I really hope they just compete 
to the very end of the season. Hopefully they could sneak into the playoffs. I think right now they have the team to do it. Uh, the East is up for grabs in those last. Yeah, the Knicks are the five seed right now. As of, you know, the recording of this podcast, the Knicks are the five seed. So, so yeah, that's even better. I said six seed. I was wrong. But that's even better. I mean, those last those last uh, four spots in the East, they are for grabs for anybody, and I think the Knicks deserve to be in there, and I think they could definitely get into the playoffs this year with the team that they have. Um, R.J. Barrett has – RJ Barrett has his on and off games, but um, at the end of the day, I think he's starting to, you know, gather himself, find out who he is as a basketball player in this league and uh, gain some confidence. Yeah. RJ is really, I've been very happy with RJ recently. I think he's been really playing very well. Um, And, you know, I agree with the confidence point that you just made is confidence is skyrocketing. And I think that, um, the biggest player, I think that it's good that the Knicks are playing well now that they got rid of Dennis Smith Jr., who was playing well in, in, uh, Detroit now. And I think that OB Toppin has to start playing better though. OB Toppin is, uh... <laughs> I don't want to say it, but he's almost looking like he's a bust. I mean, he the guy. I mean, I really... think that's too early. I think that's definitely too early. Yeah, you're right. It is still early, but I just really haven't seen anything from. I you know he does he gets his fair share of dunks, rebounds, you know maybe a couple blocks, but um, overall, it, it just I don't I don't see anything in him right now which is a little scary because, um, you know, there was your first-round pick, and you don't want to see that if you're a Knicks fan. You want to see this young team just have a bunch of talent around them, which it does. But, um, yeah, OB is uh, – it reminds me of, like, a Stoudemire kind of guy, and I think he just needs to develop a shot um, more than anything. I mean, yes, he's hit some threes here and there, shoots the ball. And um, he'll hit his fair share of shots. But uh, I think if he works on his shot, it'll it'll give him more options to go to the basket and have more openings to the lane for a layup or a dunk or whatever. Yeah. Um, Do you think it's too early, Joe, to buy a Julius Randle jersey? No, I don't think so. I think the Knicks – like him. I think he likes being a Nick. I think he is the real deal. I think this guy is, uh, you know, somebody who's going to be with the Knicks future for a while. I think, I mean, cause I mean, he like, leads the Knicks. At least I hope. He leads the Knicks in three out of five categories. He leads them with 23.4 points per game, 11 rebounds a game and five and a half, five and a half steals a game or excuse me, assists per game. Um, the only two categories he doesn't lead the Knicks in are steals, which is Mitchell Robinson with 1.2, and blocks, which is Nerlens Noel with two. The one yeah. thing I'll say about the Knicks, they have to, have to, have to find somebody to take Austin Rivers because he hasn't played well. 
and he hasn't. I mean, the last two games, he's had five minutes combined. Combined. Which is yeah. bad. He's not um, – he's, uh, listen, he's not somebody that uh, is playing well for them. And at the end of the day, uh, you don't want a player on your team that's going to be doing that. Like Ben Schmidt was not producing. They got rid of him, and I, I think that's a good move because, you know, despite – And those he's five minutes well now, Sorry, you know – no, you're good. But even if he's playing well now, it's not um, – he wasn't on the Knicks. And, you know, to play in New York, there's pressure, and I believe that's part of the reason why he didn't play well. Um, I, I loved him as a dunker. He's a ridiculous athlete. But, um, you know, you can't have someone on your team that's just not going to produce. I mean, listen, I think he's better than just to play five minutes a game. Like, he's a great defender. He's a competitor. Um, he showed that on other teams before, and he's even showed signs of that on the Knicks. But um, to get rid of him at this point, it wouldn't be a bad move. Maybe, you know, see what your options are or where you could trade him. Yeah. I mean, and Austin Rivers, so those two games that he played five minutes combined were on February 12th and 13th. The Knicks have had six games since then that he hasn't played a lick. He hasn't played a second. So that tells you what Tom Thibodeau thinks of Austin Rivers at the moment. Okay. Um, so we'll see if he gets in tonight. Um, but I would doubt it. I would not at all be surprised if they wave him soon. Um, all right, nice. I mean, listen. I, I agree with your opinion, and I think that um, they will get rid of him, actually, because anybody that doesn't produce on a team like this, I, I think that uh, the management, you know, they have to make a decision on, on what to do. You can't have a player that, listen, he's expected to do better than what he's doing, but clearly because he's not playing well, they're going to play him only five minutes a game, whatever the case may be. Let him go. I mean, everybody else in the league knows that he has more potential than just to play five minutes a league. So maybe it's the pressure. But, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Max. I think that they need to get rid of him uh, as soon as possible. See what the options are. I think if the Knicks can maybe maybe get, like, an older um, role player on this team for, like, more of a mentor. You know, Derek Rose is playing a big part of that because he's a veteran in this league. But – Maybe get another one. Get another guy that could teach his young kids of what to do in uh, maybe like late game situations or, you know, that's been there, has maybe won a championship. Get someone with a lot of experience. Get a veteran in this league that knows how to play the game of basketball and help would this you, team win. Would you see if the Pelicans would take Austin Rivers for J.J. Redick one for one? Yeah, why not? I, I would mean, see if they shooter. would take that. He is a shooter, but I also think at the same token that J.J. Redick's role is being filled up right now by Derrick Rose in that, you know, that mentor old man in the locker room role. Well, yes, 
but it wouldn't hurt to have more than one of those on the team. I mean, the rest of the, the rest of the Knicks are all 23 or 24 years old. (laughs) They're not, they're not uh, experienced enough to know how to win games and know how to handle the pressure. Uh, Not saying JJ Redick is like, you know, championship DNA, blah, blah, blah. But he's a veteran that's been long enough in this league who knows how to play this game. And not only that, he can help them win games. You're right. Um, do you think the Knicks are going to make the playoffs? Think- 100%. I said it before. I think they're definitely going to get in. And I think that, um, you know, I won't be surprised if – they're above an eight seed. I know they're above it now, but you know, with this with this team's history, uh, later in the season, it just kind of goes like this. Which I'm hoping that's not the case this year. But I would say they'll finish in the uh, the sixth spot. I think they'll finish in the. I'm going to say the five seed. I'm going to say that they stay at the five seed and they finish two games above 500. Baseball started back up today. The first spring training games started. um, And we're going to, we're not going to have a full breakdown on this episode because we'll have a longer episode when it comes to, when it comes closure opening day with guests and the, you know, the all full breakdown um, of every division things along those lines like we did last summer. But so, Joe, what are you most excited for this season? I'm excited to hopefully see the Yankees healthy for once. It's been an ongoing thing that has just been unfortunate, Judge and Stanton and, uh, you know, a handful of other players have gotten hurt, but Judge and Stan for the Yankees, if they could stay healthy, I would be very excited. Those guys are, I think, are the key to winning a championship for the Yankees. And staying healthy for them is not going to be easy because, you know, I guess just the way their body is. But um, uh, if they could stay healthy, the Yankees are going to win a lot of games. And, um, you know, wouldn't be surprised if they win it all. I, uh, I'm actually, Joe, this is, and we'll get into this more definitely when um, we have that full breakdown. But uh, this is the most worried I've been about the Yankees in a long time. Because I saw a stat when they traded for Jameson Tyone. That Jamison Tyone, Corey Kluber, um, Domingo Herman, and one other pitcher who I forgot. Um, who was it? Garrett Cole? No. Whatever. Pitched a combined one inning last season. Four pitchers gave their teams a combined one inning. So if Tyone Michael King started the game today, the prospect, he didn't pitch very well. So if, you know, if Tyone comes out and tears his Achilles or something in the first game or, you know, like that'll be bad. 
that's the worst case scenario. But um, yeah, the Yankees. Uh, I mean, listen, every year is the same story with them. They're saying championship, championship, or bust. And you know what happens? It's just like injuries. It's um, problems closing out ball games. And then when they get to the playoffs, you know, they win a lot of games in the regular season, but they get to the playoffs and they, and they just choke. I mean, that's just been the story. You could talk about Houston cheating all you want, but that's just been the story for the last four years. I agree. I mean, the Rays didn't cheat last year. They just hit one off Chapman. Yeah. And they got their revenge off of Chapman. Yes. Um, and Chapman annoys me. I think I said this when we were talking about the postseason on the episode back in November. Um, but his smile after he gives up series season-ending home runs annoys the hell out of me. Yeah, I mean, the guy's – I have his jersey. He's one of my favorites. But um, if he doesn't get his thing together, I mean, this is like his last year to prove that he could still close. If he doesn't – this is his last opportunity. The guy is not 25 anymore. He's like 32, 33 years old. So, yes. Um, Aaron Boone likes him. You know, he loves him in that closing spot. But if he doesn't produce this year, he gives up home runs, he blows saves, they're going to move him out of that spot. Yeah. And I think that I would, I advocated for this as, you know, longtime listeners know. And I still advocate for this. And I don't think Aaron Boone should be the manager of the New York Yankees at the moment. I would have hired, I would have fired him this offseason and hired Al Patrique. But we'll get more into that in the baseball breakdown. Um, I think what I'm most excited about this season, Joe, is uh, I think having two really competitive teams in New York City again will be very good for baseball because now yeah, the Mets have Lindor you know yeah as much as I hate to see the Mets win I think they're going to be good this year Lindor is going to really put them over the top I think he's going to come in and uh, give a lot of energy to that team um, like Cespedes did in 2016 I think that he's going to kind of do the same thing here by providing a uh, a spark with that switch hitter role. And now with Steve Cohen there, man, I mean, they got more money than anybody in baseball. So you, you know they're going to be spending a lot of money on free agents. You know they're going to make some big trades. So the Mets are going to be competitive. And, um, you know, hopefully they don't overtake the Yankees. And I, I don't think they will, but. Uh, there'll be uh, a tough out. Let's just put it that way. Yes. I think those, you know, the Subway Series games will be very entertaining this season um, and for many seasons to come um, because of that influx of cash that the Mets have now from Stephen Cohen, where they didn't have that with um, the Wilpons because they got all their money stolen by the Madoff, by Bernie Madoff. Um, and who do you think is going to make a big impact this season? Like, a, just give me like a random player, like a Randy or Rosarena that made a huge impact, um, 
last season who's going to make a big impact this season. Uh, now, when you ask that question, are you talking about any team? Yes. Um, that's a tough one, but I want to hear what you have to say first before, before I go. I'm going to say, let me think about this for one second. Because, yeah, I, I got to think about. I'm going to say Joe Adele. Um, I think if he can successfully make the transition from center field to right field, because obviously in Anaheim, the center field position is locked in. You're not moving that center fielder. He's stuck there. Um, and But he struggled last season, Joe Adele did. Um, in his rookie season, he but he before that he was one of the most hyped prospects in baseball, um, and so I think he could really, um, if he comes up and plays well, he could be a very entertaining uh, player in baseball this season. I mean, he had um, he had one thing last season that really hurt him. I remember he, there was a play in Arizona, I believe it was, um, or no, it was in Texas, um, where he was ranging back to the wall and the ball hit him in the uh, palm of the glove and went over the wall for a home run. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he could make a big impact this season for the Angels if he gets called up uh, when he gets called up or so in May. Um, and so what do you think? I'm going to go with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think um, I was reading today that he lost over 40-plus pounds in the offseason for a young man. Yeah, I saw uh, that. It's not easy to do that. I need um, to lose so- 40 pounds too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a different. That's a different story. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. But I mean, listen. He looks like he's he's more built. He looks like he's in just better all around shape. Um, as a baseball player, you know, you could you could hit the ball really far, even when you're out of shape. Like, he, not that he was out of shape, but even when he was heavier, uh, like he was a year ago. But if you're in better shape like that, you know, you're going to be able to feel the ball a lot better. You're going to be able to um, hit outside pitches better, uh, even inside pitches better. You know, you're more mobile, you're more agile. And I think Guerrero, 22 by opening day, he's got a plenty of baseball ahead of him. He is That's going to absolutely have. absolutely wild that he's only 22 years old. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's so many guys in the MLB today that are in their early 20s, and they are already stars. I mean, I, I what are we doing with our lives, Joe? I mean, I'm 22 right now. Well, we could blame our parents for not being a, too athletic. I guess so. That, that works for me. I mean, it's all in the genes, man. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had a father that played baseball, so 
Yes, my father is not a Hall of Fame baseball player. No, uh, <laughs> neither is mine. He's a good father. Don't get me wrong, listeners. I love my parents. I love my father. Yeah. He's very I mean, good. My dad, my dad was good at baseball, but um, <laughs> and my dad was a very good athlete, actually. But I think my mom, her, her entire side, just they don't even know what sports is. So that's where the problem comes in. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, I guess my mom's to blame. So I'll text her after this and just say thank you for not making me go to the MLB. <laughs> <laughs> I also think one other player um, that I think could make an impact this season as sort of a random player, um, Jordan Yamamoto. Is he Japanese? Uh, he's Hawaiian. Hawaiian, okay. He's from Pearl City, Hawaii. So, no, he's not Japanese, Reese. <laughs> he was a Marlin. Why do you think so? Um, because he's out of Miami. Now he's in New York, which, I mean, is obviously um, a much different place. Um, but I think he has a lot to prove. He's only 24 years old. Um, and so I think he can make a decent impact for the Mets this season. He's not going to have a ton of pressure. He's going to be maybe a bullpen arm or like the fifth starter in that rotation. You know, he's going to have um, obviously Syndergaard and DeGrom and Carrasco and Stroman ahead of him. And so it's going to be really between him and Tawan Walker. Um, who I thought was going to be a Yankee. I very much thought that Tawan Walker was going to be a Yankee. Um, um, yeah, listen, the bottom line is I, I think every year there's always uh, predictions on Major League Baseball players that are going to be breakout stars. Some are right, but I'd say most are wrong. And then there's just complete shocks um, from guys that, you know, they're – expected to uh, not really be good baseball, not, you know, not really, uh, they're like, they're like no names and they come out of nowhere to produce at a very high level. Yeah. So we'll just have to see who's gonna, who's gonna do that. You think that anybody on the Yankees will be doing that? Um, I think despite today, I think Michael King could, Make an impact. Um, he looked horrible today. He did. He really did look terrible today. Um, but, you know, first spring training game, so we'll see. I think if he can stay healthy, which is obviously a question, I think Jamison Tyone could have a breakout year. But, I mean, the Yankees are very much a team, as we said earlier, that is reliant on health. If Judge – and Stanton play three games and they miss two weeks with, you know, pulled hamstrings, pulled muscles, whatever the hell their latest injury is. Then, the, and, you know, Kluber and Tyone combined for one inning again. The Yankees are screwed, to put it in the most polite way possible. The Yankees are screwed. But if they play 
if Corey Kluber pitches like 2017 Corey, Cy Young Corey Kluber, the Yankees are, you know, golden. But will he? I don't. I would be obviously excited, but I would be surprised. Mm. Yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. Um, yeah. Um, I think Talkman could have a breakout year. He hit a bomb. He hit a long fly today in the first spring training game. And I, of course, like Talkman because he went to Bradley. Um, and so we'll see. Um, is there somebody on the Yankees roster that you think could uh, have a breakout year? Um. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think Frazier's going to have a great year. Um, unfortunately, you know, the injuries to Stanton and uh, Judge, I, I really hope this, not spot the case. Him. I hope this is not the case, but I think there's going to be more of that. And even if there's not, I mean, he could play center field. I think that uh, every now and then Aaron Hicks is going to have an off day. So, And Hicks will probably get hurt too because Hicks gets hurt a lot as well. Yeah. Who doesn't get hurt in the Yankees? That's the real question. That's a, that's a hell of a question. <laughs> but I think he's going to get a lot of playing time this year, and I think that uh, this is his year to really break out and be a 300 hitter. I mean, he was the top five, top five pick in the MLB draft, top prospect in all of baseball. So, you know, people have been waiting for him to – uh, break out and so we'll see hopefully that happens I like him I think he's you know he needs a chance to play and once he gets that once he becomes an everyday player I think he will break out um, and so moving on now um, the dunk contest was officially announced today the news has come out a little bit over the last few days but the NBA dunk contest is going to be OB Toppin of the New York Knicks and Bernie Simmons of the Portland Trailblazers and Tasha Stanley of the Indiana Pacers. And so what do you think specifically, Joe, of the fact that it is um, at halftime of the All-Star game? It's not just – it's not its own – night with the other skills competitions this year. I think that's weird. I don't know why they're doing that. Um, the dunk contest, it's, it drags on. It's not like it's just like a 15-minute thing. It, the thing, the event goes on for an hour. Right? I mean, I, I don't know what uh, – I know the All-Star game is, you know, it's nothing big, but I don't I don't really like that. I think it, it kind of takes away from the dunk contest, in my opinion. And I think that um, – I mean, it's something that they could try. never been done before. Maybe it'll work, but I like it when it's at the last skills competition uh, event because it – urges people to watch the skills competition. Yes. I think um, I agree with you that it 
I like it when it's part of that whole event, but I it makes sense because it's less time being exposed to each other. It's, you know, if you're having everybody come together two days in a row, that's more chance for it to spread than if you're only having everybody come together on one day. Okay, so if we're going to talk about the virus part, then... Yeah, then that that'll make that makes more sense. Um, but I mean, still, you know, there doesn't have to be. Even when they're they're doing the dunk contest at the last event, you know, everyone's going to be spread out. Obviously, you know, there's not going to be a lot of people like there normally is. This is not just going to be a normal dunk contest, regardless of where you put it. But I guess if they're all trying to have it in one day, then you know, I guess it prevents the spread more, yeah. But I hate that it's at halftime, though, because, like, halftime's 15 minutes. So you're going to have to go through all of the round. You're only going to have one round. Or maybe if you make it very quick, too. So is that is that the rule, one round this year? I don't know. I'm asking a hypothetical. Wait yeah, that's just – I don't like that it's at halftime because, like I said before – it's going to take away from the all-star game and you know, haven't they been saying for years that the all-star game is just irrelevant. Um, And I think that one thing also, if I was a player, I'd be a little bit upset is, you know, I think some of the best, like most entertaining parts of the dunk contest and the skills competition is when the camera pans to show the players on the sideline freaking out, you know, like, losing their minds at a crazy dunk or well you know maybe they'll be on the sideline you know they're not going to go into the locker room maybe they'll be on the sideline to watch maybe i think that's a high chance because there's going to be no fans you know that i mean there's going to be if there is fans there'll be a little bit i don't know if there's going to be fans actually um Because things are starting to open up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, there's fans in Madison Square Garden. I think there will be a little bit of fans. But on the sideline, the big thing, I think the players will actually be there to watch it. Yes. Um, And I think that... It's interesting um, that players don't really want to participate this year. Um, Because, uh, you know, because of coronavirus. Yeah. I just don't like the fact that it's taken away from the all-star game. I think it should always be with the skills competition. So are they having the skills competition the Saturday night before? So they're doing one night of everything. So at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time is going to be the skills challenge and the three-point. And then at 8 p.m. the game will start. And at halftime of the game will be the dunk contest. 
That makes no sense. Why why wouldn't they do the dunk contest right after the three point challenge? I don't I don't understand that. I mean, you can't start the game too late. Eight o'clock Eastern is pretty much like your last time that you can start before it gets too late for you know whether like if you started at nine o'clock, let's say, then you're gonna have people be up for the first quarter. First, maybe till half done. Because it's a Sunday night. People got to go to work the next day. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that having it on, on two separate days doesn't really, like, you want to prevent the spread. But at the same time, if you just test all the players and everyone that comes into the building and they're negative, I don't, I don't see that, you know. I don't see that being a big deal on a separate day. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, I I get where they come from make, though, making it one day to try to prevent the spread. Um, and so moving on now, um, Duke lost to Louisville last night, Duke men's basketball in overtime on senior night at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So now this season – Duke is 11-9. Um, do they make it? Do they make the NCAA tournament? And if if they have two games remaining, they play Georgia Tech on Tuesday and UNC in Chapel Hill next Saturday, a week from yesterday. Um, and so do they have to win those two games to make the NCAA tournament? And a follow-up to that, Joe, if they lose in anything less than – do they have to win those two games and win the ACC tournament to get in? And if that doesn't happen, do they have to lose – if they lose, is it anything less than the ACC championship game they don't get in? I think it, they have to win those two games and make at least the semifinals of the ACC champion of the ACC tournament. I think that Duke is going to find their way in, no matter what. Do you think that's because they're Duke? Yeah, <laughs> I think because of their history. Uh, you know, their coaching staff is the big reason because of their history. Um. They'll find a way to win. They they got the top players in the league. Uh, I'm sorry, not in the league. They got the top players in all the country in college basketball. Um, and of course, Coach K. Some consider the greatest ever. I consider him uh, the greatest coach ever. I think he's the greatest. College, I think, without a shadow of a doubt, he's the greatest college basketball coach of all time. So when you have that. You know, you can't count them out of trying to sneak into the playoffs. Just like I said, even when the Patriots, like they didn't make the playoffs, right? But I said that the Patriots are going to find a way in because of Bill Belichick and their coaching staff, even when they were looking shaky this year. Um, So I'm going to say the same thing for Duke. I'm going to say that they're going to make the playoffs because of their coaching staff. They will find a way to defensively lock down teams and they'll find a way to – 
uh, motivate themselves, even without fans in the stands or too many fans in the stands, um, to get into this tournament. Yeah, I think that they could make – I think that they probably will make it just because they're Duke. But I think if they lose – let's just say for the sake of argument, they lose the next two games to end the regular season – and then they lose in the first in the first round of the ACC tournament. I think they go to the NIT. Personally, that's what I think, and I think that probably would happen because I don't think even Duke losing four games in a row to end the season is not going to get you into the tournament with you know a five hundred record, or right? Five hundred record. Um, I think that. You, if you're Duke, you have to um, win these last two games of the season. You have to go to UNC to end the season a win. And then I think you have to make at least the semifinals of the ACC champion, the ACC tournament, to have a hope of getting in. Yeah, I think. I think the bottom line is because they're Duke, they're getting in, and wouldn't be surprised if they go far into the tournament. Really? I think this is far and away the worst Duke team I've ever seen. Since I started watching Duke in around 2008, this is far and away the worst Duke team that I've ever seen. I think that it's not a great Duke team. I agree with you, but I think the coaching staff... I mean, yes, Coach K and, you know, is a great coach, and John Shire has done a pretty good job. Nolan Smith has done a good job. You know, Chris Carwell has been at Duke forever. He's done a great job. But I don't think that, you know, a team that's under 500 or a team that's barely over 500, regardless of having the greatest college basketball coach of all time, deserves to get into the NCAA tournament. Well, I think coaching in college basketball is everything. It's one of the biggest reasons why teams win games. I mean, these guys aren't adults. These guys are young. Well, they're young adults, but they're not mature enough sometimes in late game situations to find themselves and to know what to do. Coach K is there for that reason. And I think because he's the greatest ever in college basketball, he will not bring them to the championship, but wouldn't be surprised if they get to the Sweet 16. I think that this is going to be a Duke team that gets like a, like a seven, a six seed and loses, if not in the first round, in the second round. And I mean, we'll get real predictions once the, you know, once the bracket comes out, we'll fill it out on the show, the whole thing. But, um, and, you know, for our listeners, we'll have a bracket challenge. Um, that, you know, if you win the bracket challenge, you get a special one-on-one meet and greet with Joe and I on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, that'll be a, that'll be a great time for them. So hi mom. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, and so moving ahead here now, Joe, the Rangers are terrible. They are, Seven, nine, and three on the season. David Quinn was brought in to be a developmental coach. He hasn't done that um, as well as he should have. 
um, so far? Do you think he should be fired? Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't think he's the right guy for this job. Um, in New York, you need to have a little bit more energy. I don't see the energy on that sideline, on the, on the sideline, on the bench. From the Rangers, I don't see it from him. They have a young team that should be winning a lot more games. They're not. Uh, this first overall pick, he's just – he's a ghost. I mean, he hasn't really done anything. Um, th there's no motivation. I think that's a big reason why hockey teams win games. I think uh, David Quinn's not doing that. He's been invisible. Uh, sorry. Alexi Lafreniere, I, you know, still 19 years old, playing against grown men. I give him time. I'm not, you know, killing him already. But 19 games, only four points and a minus seven, you know, is not great. Um, you know, especially when there's other rookies in the NHL that are doing considerably better than him. Um you know, leading the league in points right now for a rookie is Kirill Kaprasov in Minnesota with 17 points. Uh, Tim Stutzla, who's also around the 19 years old, was selected second overall, third overall, excuse me, this year in the draft, 19 years old. He has 12 points in 20 games. So, you know, he hasn't, he's not at a point per game, obviously but he's been better than, um, than uh, Alexi Lafreniere. And so, I don't know, I am uh, giving him time. Obviously, he needs time. But I'm also not, you know, ready to call him Sidney Crosby reincarnated yet. Uh, yeah, but, no. <laughs> they were saying he's the next Crosby coming in, but – Right now, um, and I think you know, coaching is coaching is one thing, but uh, he he hasn't done his part on the ice either. And I but, think that falls. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. Um, so getting back to Quinn, it, New York is a whole different animal. I mean, this guy can maybe coach in a different city, but New York is it, it's something that. Uh, not everyone can do. I mean, they, there's so much pressure for a reason. It's a, it, there's a big spotlight on this city. Why? Because many consider it to be the greatest city in the world. I think it is. I think it is too. I'm a New Yorker at heart. I'm going to probably die in New York. <laughs> so I think that, it, you know, there's coaches that have come and gone uh, some good, but some can't handle the pressure. And it's just like David Quinn is not responding. I think that he needs to light a spark under these guys and he's not doing that. And if he doesn't do that soon, see ya. Yes. I think, you know, it's, he was brought in as a developmental coach. You've seen a tremendous step back this season from because of Bittishad, who had a great season last season, was the best player in the NHL when the season paused, um, or at least the hottest player in the NHL when the season paused. He had that five-game, excuse me, five-goal game a few games before the season shut down um, last season. And, 
you know, Kreider hasn't played very well. He's been a pretty unselfish and hasn't, you know, he's been too unselfish. Um, Leah Sanderson is already gone. He was a seventh overall pick. He's already gone. So that development failed. Philip Heedle hasn't been anything special. But, you know, alternatively, to play devil's advocate and defend him for a second, you have Adam Fox, who's one of the best young defensemen in the NHL. You have Igor Shosturkin, who hasn't looked great this year by any means, um, but played very well last season. Igor Shosturkin has four wins, which is um, in, a, in third place in the NHL, fourth place in the NHL. Um, but, you know, I don't know. He has – I am not the biggest fan of David Quinn right now. Nobody is if you're a Rangers fan. Nobody. Um, but we'll see. Are... You know, we'll see what happens with that. I think this is a young team that is also still developing. And, you know, like you said, I mean, he was brought in to develop these guys, to make these guys better. And uh, right now, he's not doing that. Yes. Um, and so – I don't know really who I would replace him with at this point in time. I think it's hard in the middle of a season to really replace them with somebody with replace a coach with somebody good. But um, I wouldn't, you know, maybe what would do it would be a Jack Eichel trade would reinvigorate the Rangers. But I also don't really want to give up Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco to get Jack Eichel because I think both players could. They still have the potential, even though I just completely crapped on Alexi Lafreniere a few minutes ago. I think both players have the potential to be very good players in the NHL. Um, and so we'll see. All right, everyone. Thank you again for listening into our podcast. Um, I know it's been a while since we've done one, you know, different time zones and, um, you know, the work life for us. Uh, not always easy to get a podcast in every week. But we will try to be more consistent and churn them out once a week um, as we were when we were really collecting um, viewers, you know, listeners and building up a great base, which we are very, very appreciative of, obviously, um, over the summer. Yes, sir. So from Joe Tedesco and Max O'Neill, this is Empire Sports Talk saying so long, and we'll see you next time right here on Empire Sports Talk.